The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Early in life, in elementary school, I was much less aware of who my people were than who taunted me for my height. As a kid, I didn't have much say in the clothes I was allowed to wear, and those clothes were often scratchy or ill-fitting. It was really hard to get pants to stay up, but also reach my ankles. So I would get teased about my high-water pants, the girls asking, are you waiting for a flood? And that didn't make much sense in New Mexico, and perhaps made it all the more hurtful. Perhaps you always felt like your family would accept and love you no matter what. And I certainly tried to be that kind of mom, even getting my kids into first grade when they were five and could read, because I hoped they would not get teased for being too tall. But in elementary school, I went to battle with my mom over getting cool clothes, not before I developed a philosophy of being tough, telling myself, you can't cry. They will see your weakness and exploit it. I had this loud inner critic coaching me to conform by then, reacting to that need for love and acceptance and belonging from my classmates from my classmates. I needed, I needed belonging, and my survival strategy to get that belonging was to be tough. And then that inner critic kept me trying not to be affected. To the point where finding clothes is one of the least appealing activities on the planet for me. I could have really used a compassionate mentor to come in and address that need by saying things like, of course you feel awkward when it's hard to find clothes that fit and feel good. You're amazing and I love you just as you are. I accept you. What a gift it would have been to find a compassionate mentor. Instead, I got more of the message to just suck it up. And I'm not sure where this comes from in my lineage, but I know it's still alive today from conversations that I have with neighbors about their kids who are sensitive. Today, I would say, why? Why are we wrapped up in who is or isn't too sensitive? Honestly, that's one of those human qualities that no machine can replace at the moment. If a kid is sensitive to teasing or the suffering of another classmate, another person who's going through something, isn't that a sign of life and loving something inherently human? Sadly, though, that dynamic of wanting to fit in and belong was in tension with this inner critic for far too much of my life. 
And I often feel like I need someone else's permission to really be accepted. The right haircut in middle school, the Nike Air shoes when I ran track, a great dress for senior prom. Mine was dreadful, borrowed at the last minute. And even in college, I struggled for the approval of a professor who I suspected didn't care for tall women. Who knows? And it's not that I'm proud to stand up here on the very first day and confess all my insecurities to you. It's to say that even though I was included in a variety of circles and activities, I always wondered or worried that someone else had the power to name or bless my belonging. One reason for developing a congregational covenant so that, we can es is, so that we can establish that belonging does not depend on someone else's approval. Going back to childhood, my dad was a devout Catholic when he met my mom. And she converted and went to Mass every day when I was on the way. Is it any surprise I'm up here? <laughs> At church in my early years, there might have been a slightly improved sense of belonging there at church versus on the playground. And I don't know if we lived into that unconditional love and acceptance, or if just the feeling of singing together and knowing certain phrases by heart, rising in unison to say them together, created that sense of belonging. I did, though. I had a sense of peace and awe and connection often during services as a kid, especially during the folk mass. Perhaps that sense of belonging came from the fact that our next-door neighbors also went there, and I was friends with Jenny, who was about my age. Perhaps it was the epiphany I had at Jenny's house when I was really young that they had the same program on TV that we had. <laughs> Perhaps I resonated with my mom's appreciation that the Mass had the same liturgy wherever you went, even in Mexico in another language. As I came to understand what all the words meant that we were saying together, there was a dissonance between what I believed and what the church said. I still felt that sense of belonging for a long time, but not a sense of integrity, a sense of belonging within myself. The first time I really felt like I was in a sisterhood, though, was in my 30s when I joined the League of Women Voters. They had chosen sustainability as a study topic, especially water, and that deeply resonated with me, with me living in the desert. There were messages like, many hands make light work, and we have a process to decide together what to work on. And this made me feel like I didn't need to do everything alone, that my questions were welcome 
and it was okay to ask for help. Like there was nothing wrong or lacking about not having all the answers. The miracle of finding a community where these compassionate mentors is a, are abundant is that we can release ourselves from just surviving and employing our usual survival strategies all the time and really start growing and thriving. But how do you know you belong? I think for some of us, it's a feeling. It has to do with that internal integrity as well as external signs of reinforcement. So, when my kids were being told on the playground that they were going to hell because they didn't know who Jesus was, I knew I had to figure out something for their religious education, and I knew it would involve visiting some churches besides the one I grew up in. I remembered that I had a beloved teacher whose congregation had rallied around him in the time of illness, the Unitarians. At the same time, my husband Mitch had learned from his boss that there were several new families at his church, also the Unitarian Church. It had been a rough week back in 1997 with my kids wondering about Jesus, me without all the answers, which I honestly prided myself on, and also Mother Teresa and Lady Diana had both died that week. We had just moved back to Los Alamos, New Mexico from living two and a half years in England, and, and I had come to really appreciate Lady Diana's work. So her death hit me really hard. I decided to check out the Unitarian Church. And I couldn't believe it when I walked in and I recognized all kinds of folks. There were people from the farmer's market. There was the League of Women Voters ladies. This was my hometown and I had never even known about the UUs, even though my best friend in high school had been raised there. I had one of those moments new yous often, often do of being overwhelmed, grateful, in awe, and profoundly moved to find the kind of community that I wanted for myself and for my family. What I found in Unitarian Universalism, in a hit or miss kind of way, was that the community was abundant with compassionate mentors. While I resonated with so many of the beliefs that Unitarians articulated about Christianity at various points, I didn't believe in the virgin birth either, that, communi that um, communion was literally the body and blood of Christ, or that you had to pray to Jesus. Belief wasn't so much of a factor in belonging like it is in so much of the Christian tradition. Our first minister wanted us to understand that there are many beliefs that Unitarian Universalists hold. They might be pagan or Buddhist or Christian or Jewish, and there might be a variety of ways to practice those beliefs. Behaviors such as sitting meditation 
or having a Passover during Seder or giving something up for Lent. And we don't generally tussle with each other too much over belief and behavior that keeps us, that helps us create meaning and treat humanity in a way that brings out the best in each other. What we ask is that we come together regularly to share the meaning we find, to learn from each other and support folks on their journeys, and to work through hard feelings that often come up in life. When you are part of Unitarian Universalism, you share a bond of belonging that allows beliefs to change and behaviors like how to pray or meditate evolve. Because we hold each other in that evolution, learning and shifting understanding of what life means and how we find our place and work in it. As Richard said so poetically, a place to be heard, not solved. A place to share without shame. A time to grieve without guilt. A time to be inspired without understanding why. A time to be challenged gently. At the same time, because we want that openness to evolving belief and ways to practice that belief, sometimes we don't have any guardrails on what behaviors are pursuits of meaning and purpose and what behaviors create unhealthy relationships. Honestly, without going into it all, that question of unhealthy behavior sent me to seminary and has accompanied me throughout my ministry. And our answer to that question of behavior in Unitarian Universalism that creates the space to be heard, to share, to grieve, to be challenged, as Richard put it, is covenant. In our church in New Mexico a quarter century ago, we had approximately the same unison covenant you say each Sunday. It's an aspiration. It's something that we want to live into. And it's hard to know when we're living into it, what to do when we fall short, and how to hold ourselves accountable to it so that we all deepen as compassionate mentors to our children, to each other, and even to ourselves. So I want to thank my colleagues, Reverend Bonnie DeLott, for bringing that reading from Victoria Stafford to my attention, and also to Reverend Stafford for elucidating how it feels to be in deeply reverent covenant with others. Who carries you in their heart, thinks of you, whether you think of them or not? Who are your people, the ones who make this force field you can almost touch? Who's within your circle of concern? 
To whom are you responsible, accountable? Whose care is yours to provide? When you walk out of your room, out of your house, into the sunlight of the day, to whom in this wide world do you belong? Imagine if you knew you could articulate it, you felt that sense of belonging every single time you thought about church. Not as an obligation, but as an appreciation for the sense of growth and understanding and kindness. You knew it in your bones with each interaction. If you have the words for it now, I hope you will engage just as deeply on this topic as if you have no idea what I'm talking about. We are going to be creating a covenant specific to this congregation that names how we want to be in relationship. And we hope you'll bring heart and soul to this process that we create with Aisha Hauser. So register to come on Saturday the 27th and engage in the World Cafe. Perhaps 2024 will be the year of deepening into the beloved community that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. articulated that will make each of us sparkle and this, com this community's influence grow. I find myself in the midst of our consideration of covenant and today on the idea of belonging, I'm thinking about my purpose right now, trying to find a way to be in the world that is truly me. After so many years of doing what I needed to do, of finding meaning in my work, my work is a sacrament, I believed, and I kept that phrase close. Today, I'm finding myself at a bit of a loss at what to do next. Retirement regret, an old friend called it just the other day. She said she had serious retirement regret until she got busy. But busy doing what? In my lifetime journey through the immersive world of work where belonging felt as natural as breathing, I'm finding that True belonging isn't just about where I am, but deeply intertwined with purpose. I'm not afraid of the storms, for I'm learning how to sail. I found that under a Snapple bottle cap. <laughs> I like it. And the stormy sea I sail? What is my purpose? Where is it? Why does it elude me? I reach for it only to find it inching away from me, just beyond my fingertips. I love organizing, making neat, putting things away. If you come to my home, everything seems, at first glance, neat and orderly. I have many excuses for that. We live in a small place. The world outside is so chaotic. How can I face it if I don't have order in my own home? All of those work for me. But still, how exhausting it is to live up to that sometimes. 
The bathrooms won't stay cleaned by themselves. The carpets won't self-vacuum. Entropy, I think it's called, that process in nature whereby things fall apart just by existing. They slow down and change right before your eyes. And like grains of sand falling between my fingers, the present, time, the way things were, slip through those fingers no matter how tightly I hold them. There is one thing, well, two, I'm determined to hold on to. One is that this feeling will pass, and two, that this is where I am supposed to be right now. As I look around, I'm blessed to have these opportunities to bring my whole self to this moment, to this vessel we've created to hold one another, to encounter life and all it throws at us, to be together in all our difference. That's what our UUSF community means to me. And with sincere thanks to songwriter Leslie Gore and the musical fame, sometimes I wonder where I am, who I am, do I fit in? All of this introspection is tough but necessary, and if you give me the space to do that, we give each other the space to do that with one agreement that we hold this space for each other. We consciously hold this space for just a moment. That's all it takes, a moment to reflect on another answer, another way to be in the world. That's sacred. That's what we build here or try to build. Over the years, I've learned those moments are special, a place to be heard, not solved, a time to share without shame, a time to grieve without guilt, a time to be inspired without understanding why, a time to be challenged gently. Sometimes I wonder where I am, who I am, do I fit in? I may not win, but I can't be thrown out here on my own.